is Popcorn for Breakfast, presented by St. Louis Area Smoothie Kings. Now, here are your hosts, Cam and Kirk. Welcome, welcome, Popcorn for Breakfastians. That is such a hard word to say. It's not a real word. You've you've done this to yourself. You've <laughs> added know. this. You've added this new intro <laughs> on the episodes that you host. Yeah. And now you're complaining about it. This is of your own design. <laughs> it's like trying to make fetch happen, but I hate <laughs> Stop trying fetch. to make popcorn for breakfastians happen. It's yeah. unpronounceable. Popcorn for breakfastians. That's what I need to, I need to get the accent on the fistians. Uh-huh. And then it'll work. I, I it'll re- help. I wish that we had a name for our listeners. I feel like that becomes... It's been hard. It's been hard. We've gone through a few. PF beers. PF beers. PF beetles. I did like PF Beatles. That PF was PF Beatles is good. Yeah, maybe we could go back to it. Uh, what if we just call them Colonels? Little little Colonels. Little little Colonel guys. Little poppies. Little pop pops. We're we'll workshop it. <laughs> it. It needs work. Just know that the sky's the limit, fans and listeners out there. You can name yourselves whatever you want. We should have it's a true. contest, like whatever that comes up with the most uh, favorite. That I they... think we tried that. Let's do it again. I think I think we took suggestions. Early on, like really early on, and we got a few, um, and we'll have to go back and check the notes on that one. But this is what happens when you've done like nearly 300 episodes of a podcast. You don't even remember what you've already talked about and what you haven't. <laughs> We've actually already reviewed the movie that we're reviewing today. Uh, we're a geriatric <laughs> podcast at this point. <laughs> In podcast years, we are like 97 years old. Cameron, <laughs> Cameron, what's the what's your favorite movie? It's true. I think that's my new uh, radio voice I right like there. It. I like it a lot. Today on Popcorn for Breakfast, <laughs> we're going to talk about the movie Wish. Mm. The movie Wish from Disney. We went and saw this with our entire family. Yeah, there we had a party of, what was it, 18, it, 17? Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. And everyone in the theater hated us. <laughs> and I don't blame them at all. I I hated us, to be honest, because the youngest was three years old, my son, and if you've ever taken a three-year-old to a movie, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, yeah, apologies to those who had... We tried to buy all the seats. We didn't... We came just shy of having enough people for that, but yep. uh, we came pretty darn close, and those poor six other people who were in there <laughs> had to live, live with the, the reality that... Uh, our entire family was in there. Yep, I was up constantly. I I was moving from my seat to the kids' seat, yeah, back and back, and and then Aubrey came down, and it was it was a it, it was, was a nightmare. But bad. you know, you know, some of us got some uh, some naps during, uh, you know, consensus from the entire family that went. So we'll talk about uh, everything we think about the movie Wish. Maybe you saw it this weekend. If you did, tell us your thoughts. Tell us about how much you loved it or didn't love it, or problems you had with it, or maybe it's your new favorite Disney movie. We want to know what the what the effect it had on you. So let's dive in. You ready, Cam? Yeah, and I want to point out, okay. because I think this is interesting about Wish, uh, we're recording this on Sunday, November 26th, and as of this morning's tally, Wish was slated to finish at best second place in the domestic office and at worst third place behind both uh, The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbird, Songbirds and Snakes, mm-hmm. uh, which we reviewed last week, if you want to go check that out, yeah. which was in its second week. And Napoleon, which was in its first week, but at least domestically is getting a release on Apple TV Plus later on uh, this year. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Um, I know the same thing happened with Strange World last year. Yeah. uh, But for this to happen with this film in its first weekend to finish 
likely third in the box office for Disney animation animated studios or animation studios. That's like unheard of. Like Strange World and this are I think are in a class of their own on that. Right, because they should be number one, right? Yeah, I mean they've been so dominant. They've been the preeminent animated i mean and thanksgiving is a family holiday you're looking for stuff to do with the kids that's why it's been kind of an under the radar good movie holiday over the years is because christmas movies tend to come out family movies tend to come out and you lose out to a movie that was rated r and another movie that's rated pg-13 that's bad i mean i think that you know i think for better or worse because of i mean you can be the judge on if you think this is fair or not thematically disney has lost middle America families. I think that's what's hurting them. That was their bread and butter. Um, now, I'm I'm like a Disney diehard. I've gone and seen everything. We're there. So it's not that, you know, whatever. You make your own choice about whether you think the content choices they've made. I'm just saying, if you look at the numbers, that's what has happened. It's true. It seems to be that those choices that they've made about story and character decisions and LGBT uh, inclusions, I mean, you got to say that it's having an impact. And I think that Disney Plus is the other thing that's having an impact where families who would go might be saying, we'll just wait for it to hit whatever. Yeah, man. Disney Plus. I'm still waiting for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny to hit. Yeah. I mean, it's on sale for like cheap right now. Right. Off of like iTunes. And I am just waiting, just waiting and waiting and waiting because I don't want to pay for it. Yep. And that's Indiana Jones. It's crazy. It's crazy how much consumer perception and uh, brand equity has fluctuated as it relates to Disney and Disney's outlier studios. Yeah. So, and yeah, keep that in mind. We had 10 kids with us of the uh, 18 tickets. Yep. Those are just guaranteed money bringing family and parents. Parents have to come too. <laughs> yeah. Those kids but we're are in, we're in the minority. Of, yeah. I mean, people aren't taking their kids to these movies anymore. So mm-hmm. you have to look at the reasons for that. I think some of it's the thematic choices. Like I said, make your own judgment on how you feel about that. But uh, you can't deny that there are there are factors at play that are hurting Disney in the box office, and That's they right. need they're going to have to start to figure it out. That's right. Or the or the cost factor is possible. Cost is definitely. So, I mean, I think there is a lot of noise, so it's hard to. That's why it's been hard for Disney, I think, to determine exactly what it is. I think it's a variety of factors. It's expensive yeah. to go to the movies. I still haven't paid you back on Venmo. No, it's it's expensive. Like whenever I was sending the Venmo request, I was like, holy smokes. <laughs> this is not cheap. You know, like a family of six, $60 to go to a movie. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of factors. But the reality is people are not seeing Disney movies for those reasons or perhaps other reasons we have not identified yet. And Disney has to figure it out because this movie costs $200 million. How? I have no idea. But Strange World was the same thing. Remember, we talked about it. Strange World cost $200 million. Why? I'm like, are they setting piles of money on fire? (laughs) How do you get an animated film with a budget of $200 million? Like, that Hunger Games movie that we saw that was live action and had CGI and all this stuff was a $100 million budget. Yeah. This is double that, and it's an animated film. I don't get it. Is Chris Pine getting paid that much? He's getting paid $150 million. He's not getting like Robert Downey Jr. money though. You know, he's not getting like Iron $75 million. If they did, they need to be jail. Jail. <laughs> like don't pay that much <laughs> for people who are doing voice roles. He is the best Chris. So let's chat about why this movie was good. Let's talk about let's the good, the bad, the ugly, our first accolades, and the Oscar goes to giving our best actor. I get to go first. Okay. And <laughs> I may have uh, buried the lead, as they say, but Chris Pine 
wins at the top mm. of my list. He plays Magnifico. I think that's how his name is pronounced. Uh, I didn't pay too much attention to his name because I was like, can you believe this man's voice, his golden golden tones when he starts to sing I, true. as we were sitting there i know uh your sister afton w- turned to aubrey and was like is that chris pine singing and aubrey she was like um i don't think so i'm like oh that's oh, it is singing. Mm-hmm. remember into the woods into the woods that's right that's right um so yeah he's absolutely singing in this he's at, he has just a golden voice he's been gifted with the most powerful voice um, besides Jeff Bridges in this world. <laughs> and they did a movie together and banded that song. Oh, that good. movie was awesome. Hell or High Hell Water. Or high water. Oh. Yeah, underrated. So good, so good. And he just delivers. He delivers on all on all fronts. I mean, every he doesn't sound like Chris Pine. He sounds like the character he's meant to be. He sings beautifully. He hits every note. He uh, is evil conniving and has a good motive. So... I feel a good motive for a villain. Uh, as stated in the trailer, the king is the villain. Very simple, no spoilers. Um, so Chris Pine, he wins for me. It's a good choice. I'm going to go with the other co-lead in this movie, Miss Ariana DeBose, who is an Academy Award winner, mm-hmm. uh, fresh off of her win. That was just last year, wasn't it, for West Side Story? No. Two years ago. Two years ago. Mm-hmm. Man, time flies. Um, was it three? Oh my gosh, I don't remember time hold on, anymore. Hold on, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll sleuth it out here while I, while I chat, but... Um, she won it in 2002. That was last year. 2002? 22. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Like I said, geriatric podcast. Um, <gasps> when did that Ariana DeBose win? <laughs> that was last year. But not this year's Oscars the year before. Oh, my god. Two gosh. years ago. I got to get off of this right now. Um, Ariana DeBose, who has skyrocketed into to a new level of fame coming off of that Oscar win for her performance as Anita in West Side Story, which was an absolute scene-stealing performance. She got to showcase her lovely, lovely voice, which was on full display in this movie. I love her voice. I think it's magnificent. Um, I thought she was really good as Asha. The character itself is very... Uh, I'll use the word that I'll probably end up using a few times during this discussion, derivative. This character is very derivative of some other... Um, Disney heroines that have come across in recent years where they have this kind of like awkwardness. I mean, you think of like uh, Rapunzel, you think of Anna from Frozen. Um, so it starts to feel a little like disingenuous after a while. But so it wasn't the world's most well-written character, but I thought she injected a lot of heart into the character. I thought that uh, as it relates to the family relationships in this movie, which are key to the central plot line, um, she delivered very well on that front. I thought she provided just a lot of um, just a, a lot of dynamics to this movie when it needed dynamics, particularly with her vocal performance, which again was a huge part of this uh, performance overall, meaning her singing voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I give her a lot of credit. I'm giving her my Oscar. Again, I think she had to overcome some writing character type things in order to deliver this good of a performance, and I thought that she did that very well. She did. Bravo, Ariana Debos. The next accolade we're giving out is about the scene stealer. We're looking at best supporting actor. Who stole the scene? I think it's very clear that we go with Mr. Alan Tudyk. This man has been in so many voice roles uh, throughout the years. This is why I believe in two things that needed to be added to the Oscars. Voice actors uh, category for for best voice acting. And I do believe stunt acting needs uh, a win as well. And ensemble. I want to give a lot of awards out, honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> the more I think about it. Yeah. But Alan Tudyk, I mean, just just an absolute 
baller for for what do we see him in? He was uh, Mr. Uh, Valentino. He's this little goat or sheep goat he's a goat he's a goat in this in the trailer you see him discover that he can talk as well and he's just fantastic his voice is so pure it's so clear it's so clean like i don't know how someone can create that many memorable voices uh he just keeps popping them out i don't, I don't know what it is if he like if he is a robot and he types in like a generic uh algorithm that says i want this for <laughs> for this character that's it that's what that's what that's right it. he just taps on his, his shoulder he's got this is my chest that that's I'm touching. shoulder yep right here i'm following kirk you got this <laughs> i'm very tired <laughs> i'm very tired um so yeah alan tudyk i think that i mean i don't know that anyone else delivered such a a clean voice work i know i gave it to chris pine because i love him but i think that He's just the master of this all, and I really want to see something like that develop through the Oscars, through BAFTA Awards, through whatever, uh, to, to really you know, acknowledge these people. I think Alan's fantastic. I agree. Some might even say he's the GOAT. Oh! Knowing glance, knowing glance to the camera. Thank you. I'm here all week, folks. That's, um, that's something I would joke about. I, I know. I took it. I couldn't believe you didn't take it after you asked what kind of animal it was. I was like, this is an absolute softball. He's going to smash it. Didn't hit it. I was like, oh, allow me. Allow me. Um, good choice. Sheesh. I've, I'm really slim pickings now um, in terms of scene stealer. I'm going to go with Victor Garber who plays Sabino, which is uh, Asha's character's grandfather, her Saba, as she refers to him. Um, I like this role because he is, I mean, really just a, a person, he's kind of like the emotional crux of the movie. Like, it all revolves around him and his wish, which it's about everyone's wish, but more centrally it's about Asha wanting to help her grandfather get his wish fulfilled and i think that in the scenes where they talk about you know his hopes and dreams it's it's a really good performance by him it's very limited screen time but he's got a few moments in there where he just makes an impact and i think that those um you know when you when you hear people you know when you hear like your parents talk about their hopes and dreams sometimes it's like a very emotion has a very emotional effect on you and so i think that that's what they were kind of going for in this movie is that like if you, you know, if you have a good relationship with your parents or your grandparents, if you can deliver something that they really want, you want that so badly. You want them so badly to have what they, um, what their heart's desire is. And to see this elderly man, um, want this thing so bad, you, you just, you feel for it. And I think that you wouldn't feel for it if it wasn't a good performance. So that's why I'm giving it to Victor Garber. Victor Garber originated the role in Godspell on mm. Broadway and the film. He was also in the uh, TV series that I love so much, Alias. Yes. He plays Jennifer Garner's father. What a guy. He's been around. He's uh, he's played a lot of really impactful roles over the years. I did not know that about Godspell. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, he was in Titanic. Talented dude. Yes, he was. Right. He's about to, he goes down with the ship in the dining room. Like, man, he's so good. He's he so is. good. All right. Well, before we continue, we always like to give a shout out to our fantastic, incredible partner, sponsor, Smoothie King. That's the St. Louis area Smoothie Kings. They are really delicious all year round, but there's something extra 
special when we get to the holidays. So mm. we had lots of different pumpkin type pumpkin flavored smoothies. There were five different options you could choose from in various ways. You could have them as a treat. You could have them as a, a meal replacement. I partook in all of them, I think, mm-hmm. uh, throughout the holidays. And now we're getting into the Christmas holiday spirit. We're days away from December. And what I remember about last year and that I have confirmed is coming back is there is a smoothie that literally tastes like a snickerdoodle cookie. Have you had this one, Cam? I have. I've had it. It's a bit rich for my blood, but um, I know that I'm in the minority there with that. Like, if you love cookies, this is incredible. Yeah. I'm a weirdo who doesn't love cookies, <laughs> but I can confirm it tastes exactly like a snickerdoodle. Yeah. So, like, you would you would have maybe, like, a couple of sips. You're yes. Like, it's good. I got my fix. That's right. I would have six 32 ounces of, of these, and I would be perfectly happy to continue on. Yes. I love it. I love it so much. I mean, just as always, Smoothie King has various different sizes, various different flavors. I think we added it up, and it has somewhere around 2 million different combinations of flavors, additives, nutrients. Uh, is that right, Cam, 2 million? Well, I didn't say 2 million, but I think with permutations, you could get there. You could yes. get there. Permutations, I mean, you could probably get to right. a billion. Substitute that, add a shot of this, take away that, spinach, kale, whatever you want to do. Right. Protein boost. Like, there's so many different options. But don't forget, they also have, of course, the smoothie bowls. They were such a success and hit that they are here to stay forever. The acai, uh, cocoa haze, uh, the chocolate hazel drizzle, the cocoa pataya. Is that pataya? Pataya? Pataya, yeah. They've got so many different things that I can't even keep it straight because when you get there and you see their incredible menu, you're not overwhelmed by too many options. You're overwhelmed with joy because you're like, I am the customer and I can pick whatever I want. I can build exactly what I want. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good feeling. You pick whatever you want to literally rule the day at Smoothie King. So make sure you check it out. We've got two very close by us, the 660 Carlisle Avenue in Belleville or 3401 Namioki Road in Granite City. All St. Louis area Smoothie Kings are fantastic. Make sure you check them out. Mm. Hey, Cam. Yes. Would you like to talk more about this movie, Wish? I sure would. But you it. get to go first, unfortunately. I, I do. You're, well, that's how that's how the cookie crumbled this time. But I, th- I thought you were gonna call me a name. <laughs> I thought about it. I really did. You could see it kind of resting in my, you know, behind my teeth. There, I was like, but no, I decided not to because I am very mature. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the the mean uh, the quote unquote mean insult that they give like in Rookie of the Year? Cotton ninny, or no, what's an elf? Oh, the cotton headed ninny muggins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was expecting. I could call you that because you're a cotton headed <laughs> ninny muggins. There you go. Fully expecting full insults because I have the floor. And now we shall talk about the showstopper, the production value, the, the moment in the movie that really just stopped us in our, our tracks. And this one for me was literally the song Wish. I don't even know if it's actually called that, but I think it, it is. is. Okay, beautiful. Ariana DeBose's premiere song, um, Wish, you've heard it. It's it's on every available platform, streaming platform, where you can get the album. Whether- it's actually, I, I apologize, I apologize. Oh, man. It's called This Wish. This, this wish. wish. This Wish. It's fantastic. I mean, there's no other song that's as powerful as this one throughout the entire movie. It brings everything together. It's kind of like how far I'll go in, in Moana. It's It perfectly encapsulates the emotion that our main character Asha is feeling and all of the entire plot and just wraps it in. It's like, this is the catalyst for the rest of the movie. Are you ready? Strap in. This is an ex it's exposition. It's emotional evaluation and it's hope for what's coming next. And it just explodes. 
words in this song, and I, I just really appreciated it. There's there's a weird segment in there. It's almost like verse two or bridge one, where I'm like, yeah, that's that kind of sped up in a weird way. But aside from that moment, everything else was pitch perfect. I absolutely loved it, and I could see me saying, "Hey, uh, kids, you want me to add the wish? I'm sorry, this wish to our our uh, favorite, you know, songs a song yeah. list that we have going." And I think they would say yes because it's so much fun. It's a good song. I know exactly what you're talking about. And and a few of the songs in this movie were afflicted by that where there's like some weird meter choices that happen mm-hmm. in the song. Like they have a great chorus and they have a great like melodic through line that, that carries the song. But there's like these weird meter and weird lyrical choices where they're trying to jam a bunch of words into a small space. It's like they're trying to be Lin-Manuel Miranda, mm-hmm. but it's not. Like he wasn't available. Yeah. So they got his, uh, his brother. Uh, <laughs> Jin, <laughs> Jin Danwell, <laughs> Saranda. Oh, I love that guy. He's good. Not as good, but he's good. Uh, yes, that is what it's like. That's exactly what it's like. Um, it's it's odd, but yeah, there there's a lot of songs where, like, I think about the like the King Magnifico song, and then there's this there's like a big like up tempo song, sort of in the vein of like "Be a Man" from Mulan. Um, where the choruses are awesome and they get stuck in your head and they're total earworms. But then the verses you're like, there's a lot going on here. Um, but yeah, it's that song. This wish is excellent. Definitely the showstopper of the film, which means that I have to come up with something else to talk about. Um, for me, it really is. I like the artwork a lot. I liked, like I haven't looked into exactly how they did it. Um, but there is a different texture and feel to this movie that I really, enjoy um it seemed like there was maybe some weirdness with frame rates going on that they used to their advantage that i kind of like whenever they stagger the frame rates um there was there was just a lot of it's not just your standard 3d animated film and i like that because i think that it starts to get a little bit tired you know um i remember years ago whenever uh things like frozen and tangled started to come out there was all this talk that like Disney's not going to do 2D animated films anymore. Like, oh, The Princess and the Frog. That's what it was. The Princess and the Frog is going to be the last 2D animated feature-length film that they do. And I remember at that time just thinking, why? Mm-hmm. You know, like, sure, we we have the ability to do really nice 3D animated movies, but, like, 2D is a, a medium that has a purpose and a place, and it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful art form, as we're seeing with, like, all of the great anime films that are coming out right now. Um, so why would they do that? So I was glad to see that they're willing and, and they have since announced that they will do more 2d feature length films, which I'm, I'm happy about, but glad to see that even within the, the realm of 3d animation, they're taking some liberties with how they approach it. They're not just saying let's do the same old texture and feel of all of our other movies. Mm-hmm. They're thinking, how can we give this movie its own sort of visual aesthetic that matches with the film. And I think that this one did because this movie is supposed to be in a way, sort of an homage to all of the animated films. This is like the 100th animated feature or something like that. It's the Disney 100 movie. I don't know if it's the hundredth animated feature, but regardless, it's supposed to be uh, a celebration of that. And I felt like incorporating that was good. Some of the character designs themselves were a little uninspired. So I want to be clear about this. It's the overall art style that I liked. I thought some of the character designs could have been more artistically inspired, but your main characters, Asha King Magnifico looked fantastic. 
Um, and the art style itself was really cool. Yeah, and the way they moved against the... It was really cool because you had these... Uh, they were hand-drawn, um, but then there were moments of, uh, of where they mixed the, th- the 3D imagery together. Yeah. So, like, the, f- the backgrounds were, were definitely drawn, whether that was hand-drawn and then, like, uploaded or whether it was on there. I know that they built some proprietary stuff yes, where yes. they could draw through the 3D stuff and the, and the graphic design stuff. Uh, just the way that they, they mixed together was really seamless and really nice. Yeah, really it was cool. really cool. Very unique. Mm-hmm. Great choice. Great choice. Well, let's talk about things we didn't like the director's shoes again again if we could be in the room where they write this or where they screen this and how we could tell the director no (laughs) stop Stop that (laughs) stop it right now that's what we want to do one day and we that's why we started this podcast so first off i think there are fantastic vocals throughout this entire movie however the music is very forgettable Mm. i mean there are there are songs in there that i was like why why are we singing right now and i love musicals like the if the whole thing was a musical like if they had like five lines of dialogue i'd be down but it was very very meh uh, it's almost like if you've ever watched an episode of also disney's sophia the first fantastic mm. vocals uh some of the songs are absolutely incredible and the other ones are just trying to get from point a to point b and i felt a lot like that we were just trying to get from point a to point b it just kind of felt like we should probably write a song right here if we want to really nail this down as a musical it kind of just felt very forced um there's lots of plot holes in the line uh, in the the concept of this of the wish uh there are these weird illusions that they tried to make uh, if you remember from the announcement of the of the initial film, it was supposed to be, this is the wish. This is the actual wish, the dream uh, that your heart, uh, a wish, what is it? What's the song? A dream is a wish your heart makes. A dream is a wish your heart makes. The act, That is the wish that this is. So there's lots of different allusions to other Disney films, Disney animated movies, and the way that they interconnected those didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, that's where I'll leave that there. It's just really lots of potholes that we could have had clear, uh, like, you know, di- head first diving into that, but we just, they were kind of backed off from it. Like it was an afterthought, super confusing. So those are my director's shoes. They really, um, they really put a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. I think if you're going to do that, you have to commit to it and not just kind of like throw them in. Like, you know, Marvel gets accused of just like kind of throwing things in as fan service, DC, same thing. Like it's become a popular thing um, around the industry to just like kind of, do what the fans want. And they had, they had kind of advertised this as this culmination of Disney 100. And there's going to be all these references to other movies. And there were, um, but to your point, not in a sensible and sensical way. It was just a little bit of a hodgepodge. And I think, you know, for the Disney fans, you know, like me and my wife, we're looking at it and going, Oh, we, you know, we recognized all these things, but then why, like, mm-hmm. why is it here? And sometimes it would start to make sense, but then it didn't again. It's like, okay, now that doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> so yeah, very odd, very odd. I think my director's shoes overall um, comes back to that word derivative versus homage um, or homage, depending on how Ooh. you want to pronounce it. Uh, it's like foyer, foyer. I don't know if those are like... <laughs> um, armoire, armoire. Ar- <laughs> exactly. Potato, potato. So... This movie wasn't an homage. It was a derivation on its previous films in a really just kind of disingenuous and 
not very artistically inspired way. I boil it down to this. I see the creative start of this movie not starting with a script, but starting with an executive saying, hey, for Disney 100, we want to do a movie that sort of is the culmination of everything we've done. We want it to reference other films. We want it to just kind of tie everything together and be this celebration, which is not a bad thought. It's, it's okay, and I'm sure it came from a place of good intentions, but yeah. when your movie starts there and then works out versus starting from, hey, I wrote this really good script, and then as you go through the process, go, hey, we could kind of tie in the other films. That's the creative flow you want. You want the creative flow to start at script, story, and then go from there. Yep. You want it all to flow down from that. And this, in my opinion, and I was not, I'm not on the inside of it, very clearly started from, we need to go do this and write a story around this. Okay. And I don't think you should ever write a story around something versus write the story because you're artistically inspired and then let the story take on a life of its own and things will just make sense. Like the artistic style, I, I liked it, but, but why, you know, like, why is this the direction that they're going? If you start from a place of story, it will tell you, this is the art style we need to have. This is the kind of voice acting we need to have. These are the kinds of set pieces we need to have because you're starting from the point of story and they didn't start there. Um, so the whole thing, frankly, becomes a jumbled mess. Kirk, to your point about the plot, it's, it's got holes. It's got a lot of, and then this happened mm -hmm. and then this happened, um, instead of, you know, so you, so you're left wondering why instead of just going, Oh, that's why this happened. Mm -hmm. It's not just, and then this happened. Um, so I think they're, I think it's a mess. Yeah. I think it can be a fun mess at times, but it is a mess nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Let's, uh, you know what, uh, let's talk about our final thoughts and scores. Uh, just to piggyback off of that into this is that, you know, oftentimes we have different, many different writers, uh, many, many are working on the story, many are working on the screenplay, many are working with the actors and the voice actors and changing it and then going back and saying, hey, to the artists, like, I feel like there was a lot of disconnect on here, which would make sense if this movie was made, written, drawn in 2020, but that's not the case. This was all done you know, post the thickest part of COVID because mm -hmm. uh, we had some some films that were done in COVID uh, where people were just working completely remotely and putting things together that were, some were great, some were bad. This one, it leans more toward the bad scale, unfortunately. I just don't think with all of those writers, they weren't communicating. So, so some were writing a script about Asha and some were writing a script about the celebration of the 100 year anniversary and it just there was no communication they just it was almost as if they like were working off a of google doc and said <laughs> okay i'm gonna write this in now and just like space, space enter indent uh and, and not really cohesively tying this thing together I, I fully agree with that um for me this is a movie that i will likely never watch again if possible um, unless my kids demand it or or our youngest newborns if they say hey I wasn't allowed to go see that movie. Uh, but this one is, for me, totally skippable, does nothing um, strong for the Disney brand or for the parks or for the the zeitgeist of Disney and, and culture like many other Disney films do. And for me, this score gets a 3.5 out of 10 kernels. Ouch. Yeah, that's a toughie. I, I feel very similarly on a lot of things. I think... Um, 
like you, I really liked King Magnifico. I think it was nice, you know, as a Disney fan and a fan of the classic Disney films to have a traditional villain. They've been going a little bit more abstract with villains where it's like, there's not a real villain. Um, see Encanto, for example. Um, they tee up King Magnifico as the villain right in the trailers from, from beat one. So again, not a spoiler. Um, and it just was kind of nice to have that. It was nice to be like, oh, this is the bad guy and he has bad guy songs and does bad guy things and he looks cool doing it. And and that was nice. There, it, there are fun parts and aspects of this movie. I think if you're a Disney fan, you'll like some of the references, even though your head might be spinning as to why they were included. The references can still be fun. There's a few. There's quite a few Easter eggs in the film, um, some of which are, are more fun than others. But in, in all it's just not a very artistically inspired movie. I think there's some clear, there was some clear chopping to this movie. Really what it feels like is that Disney is scared to fail and who could blame them because they are struggling right now, but you can feel it. You can feel it. Like it's, it's like whenever you watch somebody who's lost confidence, they're really scared to get hurt again. And with this movie, they were scared to make a big mistake. So they didn't take risks. And when you don't take risks creatively, you can't really make something that's very inspired creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what this movie boils down to. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I think that it's fine. It's a, it's a jumbled mess, but it's, it's not completely like I wasn't mad watching it or anything like that. So I can't go, above a five, four on this 5.4. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. Um, my kids, you know, because they're not really paying that much attention to the plot and are just listening to the songs and stuff. Yeah. They loved it. They love the little goat character. The goat character is the laziest thing ever. <laughs> uh, you know, like the, the talking animal trope, like animal who gets the ability to talk. He had some great funny lines in the movie that, and, and ended up being a fun character. Thanks to Alan Tudyk's amazing acting, but mm-hmm. it's like, it just felt like such lazy writing in general all around this movie. And it just kind of permeates throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Exactly. You said something over the weekend, Kirk, about like if um, uh, I, I can't remember exactly how you say it, but like if you cut corners, it shows. Yeah. And I think that this movie is a good example of that. Like if you cut corners on stuff, especially something that's like as much of a combined artistic product as a movie, if you cut corners, it's going to look bad and i think this movie exemplifies that i think they were just like we got to get this thing done and out the door as a commercial product and they didn't put like heart and soul and genuine artistic uh inspiration into it and so it showed it did show it did show i love how you said uh, you weren't sitting there mad and i got this image of you <laughs> as anger from <laughs> uh, from inside out <laughs> from inside nice. out just like crossing your arms like i hate this movie <laughs> if anybody wants to see that just go watch uh, trolls world tour with me uh, that's that's what i looked like watching that movie so yeah sometimes it does happen oh man uh, i'm going to i'm going to pay for that actually yeah please <laughs> i'll pay for you uh, so thank you so much for for listening thanks for tuning in don't forget you can listen to this all, wherever podcasts are available you can watch this that's right if you're listening and you're like i want to see those guys faces and then quickly revert back to yeah the and then audio be like oh, that was only. a bad idea uh, they were better in my mind uh, but if you want to switch back <laughs> to, to either one we're on youtube um, sometimes we post on tiktok we're trying to uh get better about that with newborns <laughs> 
there's not a lot of time. So just watch out for us anywhere. We're out there on, on any social media you can think of. Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram sometimes. Uh, all, We're on Discord. Join our Discord oh, server. It's yes. in the description if you want to talk about movies. We do it every day uh, in there. And we're also, um, I, I don't think you missed any other ones. I think that's everything. That's everything. Yeah. So yeah. grab a smoothie, rule the day, and sit down or commute to work or work from home and listen to our podcast because that's what makes movies happen. That's what I say. So thank you so much. We will see you later this week for What's Poppin' and next week for another movie review. See ya. See ya.